Maker series podcast, I'm talking to the painter and storytelling artist, Deborah Last. I'm really thrilled to have the amazing Debs Last. Or is it Deborah? How, how do you like? <laughs> well, I'm Deborah Last, artist on the, um, on my everything, but I'm Debs Last. Everyone calls me Debs. Okay. I'm going to call you Debs. <laughs> How are you today, Debs? I'm really good, thank you. It's been really nice, hasn't it, to get out and about into the sunshine and yeah, feel a bit more normal, I guess, this week. So yeah, I'm good, thank you. <laughs> just so for uh, archiving purposes, we've just been allowed to um, venture out a little more after lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's helped. And also course. the weather yeah. is somewhat better. Oh, it's, it's getting cold, better. Though. We're in spring. It, we're in, it is very cold. Yes, still wrap up warm. Yeah. <laughs> so I like to get straight to the question. Yep. Um, so our first question is, why did you start a creative business? I probably it's because being creative or being an artist has probably always been the the thing I've always been able to do. I know even as a little tiny person, I can, you know, remember it as a really small child waking up. The first thing I would do is fall out of bed and color in because I've always been a bit of a lark so up really early and my poor <laughs> mum and dad were like do something don't come and wake us so I would I had loads of art materials I guess and drawing sitting on the floor in my bedroom so I guess it's always been the thing I've been able to do more easily and wanted to do I guess so I have been a teacher as well so that sits alongside my practice so I taught in mainstream sort of schools. I taught up to A-level for a long time till about 2005. I had that sitting beside my art practice, but I've always exhibited as an artist. And um, yeah, I guess in about 2005, I decided I really want to do this full time. I, I think I can, if I sit some art and teaching together, that will work and it seems to have worked. So yeah, I guess I started because it's what I do. It's kind of, it was a no brainer, if you like. <laughs> I, I don't really do anything else. So, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that's, that's really why. I just had straight away images of you plonking out of bed and, <laughs> and colouring in. It's just so lovely. And I guess that practice stays, doesn't it? You know, I can remember really, really clearly as a little child sitting on the floor painting pictures and telling the stories in my head about the picture so if I was drawing mm. a house I'd sort of tell a story about the house in it and I can remember that very clearly so that 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 sort of magic I guess of being able to make something appear on a page sits behind some kind of story even actually if you're outside painting on plein air you're capturing that moment aren't you and the magic of that single bit of time being outside and you're catching it in a more exciting way than a photograph because all those moments are sort of coming together, I guess. So, you know, you're there maybe for an hour or so and the sun is coming in and out and the wind might be blowing and then you're able to put a lot more of that and almost how you feel being in that space. So that sort of storytelling element is there overtly and less obviously in all that I do, I guess. I don't know much about your storytelling actually. Could you talk a bit, a little bit about that? So I guess I have for a long time, um, so my MA that I just graduated from an MA at Plymouth University um, this last year, not at all how we'd hoped, of course, in 2020, there was no exhibition, though we we're going to have one in June. But I talked about um, representing 
women in art you know how that's done but particularly and specifically in, and when they were pregnant or uh, yeah when they're pregnant or um you know sort of telling the story of those pregnancies so I had a number of women who came to my studio who told the story of their pregnancy and then I drew mm. them and I drew them sort of while they were there and then from photographs and sort of particularly finding a pose if you like that really honed in on the story of pregnancy or loss mm. and so that's kind of has been my practice I guess as a, a young woman I was I often painted a painting from my church so at Christmas I did huge great paintings that were kind of really monumental kind of storytelling paintings and I've kept that kind of performance painting as part of my practice I've, I've done that you know um, festivals and various things and Christian festivals where I've painted I've painted when um Justin Welby was sitting on the stage, which was quite interesting. <laughs> so, you know, kind of, and there were thousands of people watching me do that. So that kind of mm. performance painting is quite fun and exciting and kind of interesting. And, and I always try, as I think artists do, to show a whole, a bigger picture, ask a question, challenge norms, you know, that kind of thing. So I tend to do things like that with the way that I do that storytelling it isn't simplistic, I hope. But that's sort of sat there in some of the paintings that are a lot older that sit, sit in this house. You know, there are sort of interesting um, things that I had for a long time. I had a little motif of a girl who had a little sort of red tutu, I guess. And I suspect she might be my sort of 11 year old hmm. self. And she appeared in a lot of paintings where I was kind of thinking about and challenging ideas, I guess. So there's one, there were a whole series that I did about you know how we want to be looked at and the, from an incident of watching a a young teenage girl sort of flounce I guess <laughs> out of a choir that I was in and um it just struck me this image and she had the whole entirety of a large chapel to walk down the whole length of the aisle <laughs> flouncing <laughs> while the entire choir sort of watched with their jaws on the floor going did she really just say that and um I drew this sort of moment a lot and the paintings were sort of titled look at me look at me and please everyone be looking at me and oh please let them please be looking you know <laughs> yeah. all the titles it was all about that I guess so she kind of sat in my paintings for a while I guess I should send you some of those images that'd be great and I have a painting that's in this house now which is called the sheep and the goats and talks about how we try and um, decide that some people are good and some people are mm. bad and um I guess I have a real, I just you know it's actually, that's a much harder concept yeah. and possibly <laughs> not acceptable. Um, yeah, so it's about that. She's sort of standing there against, I'm, I'll send you that image. Yeah, I look yeah. forward to seeing it. But yeah, so there's kind of been that story. And I guess, but always, always, I've been connecting with the landscape as well. I've often drawn the landscape Um as always, I guess, drawn the landscape alongside that, you know, for as long as I've been able to get into it and think that it's a thing to do. So they've been a kind of, they've been really interesting bedfellows because sometimes I'm a bit um, scathing of the landscape. So it was only landscapes or I was. And then in 2015, I decided to paint the landscape every day mm. for a year. And as much as possible, it was on plein air. And um, that really just helped me to get over myself and go yeah the landscape's amazing I really love painting the landscape but I know it's fine <laughs> and those two things can be my practice it's it's all good and that one isn't better than the other or 
and it's fine for me I, I guess I was worried that I had um two things going on and that I was a bit split mm. as a you know a schizophrenic artist if you like <laughs> but um, I've got no hope there yeah. <laughs> I've got about 10 things going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, they all connect in some way <laughs> yeah <laughs> and actually it's been interesting I guess this studio in particular looking at work Often I've got lots of things out and on the go at once and you look at them and you go, well, of course, they, they all look like they've been painted yeah, by me. Of course they do. Yeah. You know, and there's a colour palette that I have that's quite distinct, I guess. And yeah, you know, but I just I think I'm probably more Picasso than, you know, Lowry. I kind of Picasso did all kinds of other yes. things, didn't he? That's too male art. I think there. that's bad, <laughs> isn't it? But, you know, it's, we're allow it. It's I want to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to play, I guess. I and that I do like to try do different things. I suspect I'm a bit, you know, I get a bit bored yep. easily. So yeah, I can yeah. relate to that certainly. I'm always trying to reinvent my own personal wheel, you know. <laughs> I guess that's a really good way of explaining that. I hadn't thought of it like that, but yes, very good. And why not? You know, we've got a lifetime to do that, so and that's important. So with this storytelling, is it how is it communicated? Is it or um, documented is it the painting yeah and I guess it's often around a figure drawing so I, I love life drawing and I, I I guess from the moment of being sort of 17 on my foundation course and being able to do life drawing I really I have I've just been like that it was just amazing I loved that so much so I think yeah often often the the storytelling pieces are figurative mm-hmm. or they certainly have figures in them and um yeah they'll you know kind of I guess and these ones do this um these ones that I'm doing at the moment that are in the studio are about the sort of my pandemic mothering mm-hmm. so having a you know, sort of thinking about what I was doing as a um as the MA pieces drawing other people who had interesting very very powerful stories to tell what I then of course was doing once I couldn't have anyone in my studio I began to kind of think well what about my own mothering right now and of course uh, we've got older children they've all left home and that's been really hard to kind of only be able to connect with them through mm. a screen and one and we've had a grandchild you know we have a grandchild who we've you know we hopefully will be able to go and see next week but there is that kind of that's been that separation and kind of all these events and things that have happened have happened through the screen so I've kind of been playing with that but kind of there's nothing more Um, sort of a bit nasty about drawing computer screens so I've been (laughs) experimenting with those kind of shapes and and ideas so that they are a bit more fluid I guess and so if we were going to go and see an exhibition by you, would there be these stories? How would they be communicated? Would they be the paintings? Would they be the paintings and words alongside? Or I'm curious about that. How? You, yeah. Yeah, it's a really good question. When we were getting ready for the MA, in my thesis or my, I don't know if it was called a thesis, it was called a project report. In my project report for the MA, I did um, make these sort of square text images, yeah. if you like, which was a, which were about the stories of the women in the paint in the drawings, and that I would have displayed those. So it may be that I still display in June one of these, mm. at least one of them, with the text. 
I guess it's an I I I I worry about giving too much information <laughs> because then you're telling people what to think about a painting. And if I go around an exhibition, I will look at the exhibition and not read the titles till I've looked at the painting because I think you miss out on seeing what you're going to mm -hmm. see. So I'm conscious of that, I guess, with um, my own work. I don't want to make people think things. And actually, when I was when I was posting some of that work um, last the year before last, yeah, 2020, um, interesting things were coming back as comments without people knowing the stories. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess I would want to produce some kind of explanation. Sound can be quite an interesting way of doing that because then you can choose to listen yeah. or not, can't you? Years ago, in 2014, I did a piece of work which was based around Chris Ophelia's The Upper Room and I wanted to kind of put women into a key moment in time. So I used Upper Room and um, I had the 13 canvases and they were all um, full body prints by women that I knew and some others that had volunteered and one pregnant woman and um i body printed and then i drew to anatomical drawings over the top so they were bones i guess <laughs> and nice. they had sound behind them so we also got people to talk and i got them to talk about uh beauty and body image and self-worth and sort of faith and mm. belief if you like and um that had sound and the the room when it was exhibited all of the sounds all of the canvases all played their sounds at the same time so it just sounded like yeah. a room full of women talking but it also if you stood by one canvas you could hear the story do you know bruce nauman i love his work and yeah. um yeah. I, yeah yes i was incredibly yeah. inspired by his work in the tate did you ever see that i did go to that but what the piece that really really inspired me was the susan hiller piece and i think it's called witness i'm sure it's called witness with basically loads and loads of um, speakers just hanging and at first you walked in they looked like um, glass walls or something you weren't quite sure what you were walking mm -hmm. into and then you could walk right between them and all I was very inspired by that kind of story being told I guess through sound and um, yeah. I mean the whole piece of work was breathtakingly beautiful and it was exquisitely kind of put together I guess and yeah, that was the piece that was well as alongside the upper room by Ophelia, the, the piece that inspired the, the um, upper room for me was uh, Susan Hiller's piece. It sounds amazing. Yeah, so I've never done anything with sound. And when I went on the MA, I was convinced that I would yeah. do a sound piece, but actually I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I just didn't, I don't know why. You sort of think, oh, I could do the MA again, really. <laughs> yeah. Really nice having access to all that stuff. <laughs> in another lifetime yeah. <laughs> you know, like i need another lot you know yes yeah definitely <laughs> thank you for sharing about your storytelling no, it's, it's amazing i love it so what challenges have you faced then whilst growing your creative business but from the sounds of it it's a creative life really it's not just <laughs> it's just yeah not just a business yeah i guess i i guess the challenge is always to remain focused on the main thing so I guess you know I've, I've, I'm very lucky that because of what I've done I've been able I've you know raised a family and I was very able to be fully involved in that and you know for some time of course the art fitted around that but I was still able to do it I think the challenge for me has always been to find um, consistency in what's being what the output is if you like and I, I'm fairly sure I've got to that pretty much now but I 
I guess it's that kind of always, you know, upper room is very different to the daily painting every year is very different to this to every day rather for a year and is very different to the sort of storytelling and I guess it's that and then there's the teaching and it and I guess my challenge for my business if you like is the is that very much yeah. the business <laughs> so you know my my least favorite day is to sit down and do yep. all my admin <laughs> <laughs> so today we, we sat down my husband is uh, self-employed as well he's a coach and he does um a mentoring and stuff and so we're both at home. So he came and today we were just sort of setting up some ideas to run some more art holidays, which I did. Um, the last one I did was in 2018. But, you know, he's kind of really good at kind of making it, you know, I'll put the words out there and he'll, he'll make them make sense kind of thing. Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> and so it's quite nice that we can work together now on that kind of admin side of things. Yes. And, but then, of course, I've been hugely excited about that and I really enjoyed doing the admin today until I thought I'd posted it all to Facebook and then I lost the whole lot and then you've got to do it again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I go through this so often. I, with that. I took ages very carefully selecting photographs and all that stuff. And then oh, I was hijacked by something on Facebook going, do you want to make this an offer? Oh. You know, so the admin... Well, I don't know if you ever get this. I post something on a schedule oh yes yeah, and yeah. it disappears well it, it is there though it just hides for a while <laughs> i don't know i'm not convinced <laughs> like, yeah don't trust it, it. That kind of, isn't it your kind of facebook and i hate you'd... facebook rules my life so I've, I've begun to kind of i guess bring some kind of order to that so i think i was getting very overwhelmed by the fact that i felt i needed to look at it all the time mm. And um, I just read a really interesting book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Mm. And it's kind of really, I guess, talking about the, um, the, the practice, I guess, of slowness. Yes. <laughs> and kind of having, having sort of rhythms, if you like, in your, which I'm very into anyway. I, I kind of, I do have that. I read a long time ago, or I guess back in, about 2005 when I was just setting up as an artist I did the artist's way book by um, Julia yes. Cameron yes and that kind of morning page habit sits is still there so strongly mm. and that's what I do most mornings I have a little summer house which and a fan heater and I go out oh. there because it's something really lovely about <laughs> and that sets me up I write down what I'm going to do what's inspiring me and kind of how I'm going to process um the day if you like amazing and I'm I, so impressed <laughs> I guess it's taken me a long time and I guess I'm trying to look at my emails once a day I'm, I my emails are the thing that I get let get out of hand so because we've last week been so excited about being you know little Mia arriving in our lives yeah you know we've kind of um you know being grandparents really sort of you know kind of wow isn't it very well and um <laughs> so we've kind of I lost, I, I will lose the emails is the first thing to go. So today I, I just sat and really cleared them, but I kind of try and do it at a key, t a set time and a set time for doing Facebook. Yeah. So that unless I'm doing a specific post like I was today, but otherwise it rules your life. And it's, yes. and I think yeah. that it's possibly one of the things that can zap my creativity and I can mm -hmm. feel my sort of inner artist getting really leery about when are we going to paint? <laughs> when are we going to paint, you know? <laughs> I like that you have that character and you're like, yeah. enough of this stuff. When yeah. are we going to paint? <laughs> That's really cool. The artist made, she talks about your secret cells, but I don't think, I think my inner artist is fairly demanding and not very secret. <laughs> 
I love that. Definitely got a stampy foot. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I guess that's the challenge is is to make it a business, isn't it? It's got to pay the bills. You know, there is that element of, and that, you know. Whilst listening to your inner artist and not undermining that, you know, it's a real balance, I think. Yeah, for sure, Um, yeah. You, you don't choose self-employment for the easy route, no. do you? <laughs> no. You choose it for to be able to construct your own lifestyle. That's how, yeah. how I perceive it. So how do you actually make it work? I guess the teaching is the thing that probably makes it work because it's a more consistent um, income stream. Yeah. Um, and I guess when we first moved down here, it took me a while to sort of... Uh, kind of adjust and I was doing the MA and things like that so I guess that but the, as soon as I put the teaching back in place then it was kind of like yeah this this works so that's quite nice because you have in a sense an, a manageable income and I, I don't think it's kind of it's not absolutely distracting from my actual practice I think the two really inform each other the teaching and the painting and I've you know like the the pandemic stuff that I'm doing the mothering or whatever paintings are very much informed by the things that I was doing with the last um, online class. So, because I did a little section, we did. I kind of, I've recently been sort of teaching two subjects per five weeks, if you like. So, last um, session we had a, a, a one of the five week things was art that speaks. So, I guess hooking mm. into my love of storytelling. Yeah. And um, we talked about we had the titles pandemic home and and distance I said you have to use these titles Mm. people like to and of course so it made me think about those things too and it's helped me to kind of think through um what I wanted to paint and actually you know watching other students watching the students or the the other artists on the course do those things you're like oh that's I like that (laughs) talking about it so we have sort of four zoom coffees over the five weeks and that they're brilliant because we just all talk about the work and you know I guess I I'm very much I teach from a perspective of I'm not trying to make lots of mini me's so I don't do a here's a painting and you will copy it yeah very much more it's about talking about ideas and and kind of finding helping those people to find their youest you as Dr the cat in the hat would say you know (laughs) (laughs) you want to find that youest you and your sort of your own creative path so I guess that helps me because I'm thinking about it for them I'm thinking about it for me as well so I think that's that's how I've made the sort of teaching and art practice sit and work together before we moved to Devon um, I ran an art school with a friend and we had 120 people through the door every week wow and that was amazing when we split the week so we did a day and a half each and then the other day, sorry, two days, two two and a half days each um, in the studio or teaching. So that it was five days, obviously. And that was really very full on. But the energy of the art studio and the classes really drove our own work. And of course, mm. people were constantly popping into our studio to go, what are you doing? <laughs> so of course, there's a sort of an accountability there, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> that you're too... You're, the people you're t- teaching expect that you will have your own practice and that yeah. it will progress and that they can come in and see it and so that makes it work too and I guess 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose Buckingham, was, which was where we lived, was a, quite a wealthy area. And so it, we were able to charge quite a lot for those classes. And that's not quite the same down here. But there's a lovely way of life. It's much calmer, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, it's all swings and roundabouts, isn't it? But yeah, I make it work by having the two threads, I think. They are what help. Sounds great. So how did you get into teaching? I did my 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 BA. I did my BA and actually I'm a potter. I did ceramics and glass. Hmm. But all through the entire time, I spent hours in the live drawing studio and doing loads of drawing and, and peering through the fine art window. <laughs> oh, I probably should have been in there. But I thought I love the sort of three-dimensional aspect. Actually, the pieces that I'm making at the moment, I've actually cut the board to a shape. Mm. so I do there is a three-dimensional M that I guess the upper room had it that yeah more than it occupies a space rather than just being a thing that goes in a frame yeah and um yeah I guess I got into teaching so I did my my um you know ceramics thing and I looked at run uh, joining a friend and having a pottery studio together and we just looked at it and I thought I'm gonna disappear I, I can't I won't be able to afford to live I won't be able to eat yeah and so this, you know I, was, I went and did a teaching qualification which I really enjoyed and and I'd already by then you know in all my summer holidays I taught I did adult summer classes mm. you know supplement my income in the summer so I already yeah. started teaching adults then you know in my late teens and early 20s so and loved it and I you know it's just it's something lovely about teaching adults one they want to be there and they always do the homework <laughs> and it's a good laugh and you can talk about things you can't talk about with teenagers and you know yeah. it's all okay <laughs> I'm not to say I didn't love teaching teenagers I really did I mean there's nothing you know he's like this wonderful isn't he watching a, a, a child really connect and go off and you know become an artist themselves and mm. and they do amazing things at A level oh my goodness incredible but yeah, so I guess that's how I did. And my first teaching post was in India, mind you. So, <laughs> wow! I got my dad had a, a friend. He got a newsletter from a friend who was working in a, a school in India, and um, a sort of an international school. It had been a mission school, and um, he just his newsletter came, and the dad just laughingly threw it across the table at me and went, "Oh, look, look at that!" And they wanted a maths teacher or something else, and a, an art teacher. Looked okay. at it and went, "Yep." <laughs> do that that's what I did Amazing. I went out and it's I lived out there for seven years that's where wow. I met Pete who wow. also comes from Kent like I do but we met in India and um <laughs> we had two and a half babies by the time we came home <laughs> so, wow you know it was an amazing so I've loved I guess but we I exhibited out in India as well you know and I kind of had that exhibition practice still even when I was out there wow yeah. thanks for sharing <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's good for the poor, old, poor, poor the kids had a nightmare when they were kids trying to get in when they were younger trying to get into nightclubs because their birth certificate or whatever uh. they were born in India and they're like, well, you weren't, were you? <laughs> That's a fake, isn't it? And it's like, no, really, I was. <laughs> Not to mention that oh, Chloe looks about twelve now, so twenty-five, so <laughs> <You're> struggling. <laughs> oh, bless them. Oh dear. <laughs> You've already mentioned so much advice, but do you have one piece of advice, one extra piece of advice that you would give about, share about a creative business? Be yourself. Absolutely, just be yourself. Don't try to be anyone else. I think I spent a lot of 
time we spend a lot of time can't you on pinterest and facebook and Mm-hmm. It, you know, and, and looking at <laughs> comparing ourselves <laughs> and actually the this is why I suppose that one of my sort of taglines is you know when I talk about the classes is you know I want to teach you to be the USDU you know your your creative pathway and you know be yourself because actually no one else can be you and that makes you really interesting <laughs> even if you don't think you are actually it's really interesting if you are just you you've got your story to tell however that comes out in your artwork even if it's overt or not yeah be yourself that's what you're selling I guess (laughs) but you know you don't have to hang all your dirty laundry out to be yourself but no I guess it's finding that confidence in who you are isn't it and and being okay with that and that you know you're not gonna be Tracy Emin or you know you have to be you (laughs) exactly yes that's really good. That's a really good, concise piece of advice. <laughs> Didn't mean to rhyme them, but it sounds so simple, did. doesn't it? It's, I know it's hard. Yeah, I think it's a journey. Yeah, oh, totally. That we take, and I think almost well for myself, I knew myself far better as a child. Yeah. Than I did throughout my teenagehood, and and then then adulthood is a journey back almost um in a weird way um for me anyway yeah, that's my it's experience it's like Picasso says isn't it you know all children are adults you know it's the hard hmm. to keep them that way uh, adults all yeah. artists and I think it's true in anything I think children have an enormous and if they're you know lucky and brought up in a happy home or whatever and they've kind of got stability I think you know they are confident and and brave in who they are and even if that isn't the case there's a braveness about children mm. and, a, and a resilience that's incredible in the yeah. sense it's yeah who'd be a teenager again heck you have to go too oh. much don't you <laughs> it's like <laughs> quite brutal it's yeah. a brutal time I yeah think, teenage years wonderful yes. a wonderful magical yeah. but quite brutal time and yeah I guess it is and I suppose I've I'm I'm old enough to go well this is who I am <laughs> and at this stage I'm not going to be changing it and not that I you know it's not that that's not I'm, I'm not going to change I'm going to be you know nasty or of course we all grow and change but you know being comfortable with who you are and then and and changing what needs to be changed I guess <laughs> <laughs> but you know yeah being comfortable with who you are helps your work to settle I think actually I think that's what I've been doing over the MA MA was quite unsettling took my artwork to pieces completely and they they the tutors were like you've been really brave because you have really taken your artwork to pieces but I've put it back together again and it's not dissimilar to what it was before but I think there's Hmm. a courage in there that wasn't there before Hmm. maybe because I'm happier with who I am as an artist sometimes you've got to break something down to build it up again I think I'm not so unhappy about the differences between the different threads if you like work mm-hmm. I'm happy with that that's fine whereas I kind of I think I went on to the MA to go I want to just do one thing and I want to find out what that oh. one thing is <laughs> no, it's like, and they wanted me to do one thing and to find out what that one thing was as well to be fair <laughs> but I'm not sure I entirely fulfilled on that but um you know yeah I've I've watched a really really um great well for me anyway um self-affirming TED talk about the fact that some people just like to do lots of different things and you know what that's okay yeah. um because 
I think there's certainly, I've gone through that, a feeling of like, right, just do one thing well, yeah. rather than lots of things seemingly not so well. But I don't agree no. with that. I don't agree with that. It's like the whole jack of all trades thing. And a really horrible thing that people say, isn't it, actually? When actually, if you're probably still working, you've still done your 10,000 hours on each of those things. Oh, completely. It just may have gone over more time. You know, it takes longer mm. potentially because you're doing more things. But I think there's a real, and I still got it, like even now talking about it in my gut saying, oh, but maybe your life would be simpler if you only did one thing. But oh my goodness, I, like you said, you get bored. Yes. Me too. One <laughs> has been watching, if I have to do a lot of stuff on screen, it's like I've always been accused of being a fidget and it comes out <laughs> in its extreme. I almost have to sort of run around the garden or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, you're so <laughs> annoying. You can tell you've been on the screen all day and it's just that sitting still and I just don't do it. Yeah. And you have to go with who you are. That I worked with my wonderful friend Zoe, who I ran the art school with. She could sit at a painting all day and I had to go, I had to say to Zoe, I don't think you've moved for about three hours. Do you want a cup of tea? Whereas I would just wander around and <laughs> we're all different, aren't we? And it was wonderful exactly. what, how she worked and she worked so beautifully, you know. You have to be who you are. We were utterly different and being, it works. I'm no, yeah, I've noticed that from filming makers and I'm really trying to keep sensitive to that and make the film so that they reflect the like the energy and the and the kind of methodical or non methodical kind of uh, process. And yeah, it, it, you've got to do your own thing. You've got to be you, like you said, um, because no one else can. You can't be anyone else, and no one else can be you. So you might yeah. as well be you. Yeah. And um, and and also not you know I, this is this is me saying it out loud so I hear it not <laughs> apologise for that as well because it's very easy to be apologetic for doing lots of things and running around possibly you're a people pleaser and we can worry you know <laughs> but oh yeah yeah absolutely yes. I'm still on the journey <laughs> but we all are oh it's been so lovely yeah. talking with you thank you so much for sharing yeah it's really nice. Fantastic.